Welcome to Buying Florida with Didier. Whether you're looking to move, invest, start a business, or expand, Didier will share with you everything you need to know. Tune in, learn, and improve with Didier and DDA Mortgage. Now here's your host, Didier. This is Didier buying Florida. I got a great addition. You know, we've talked about foreign nationals, but really let's go into something about buying investment property. I'm in the state of Florida and that's where I do my financing. I don't leave the borders. But let's talk about buying investment property and the different options we have. You know, you might see in my subtitle, it says Nina. Well, what does Nina mean? That's a no income, no asset loan. But we're going to get to that in just a little bit. Let's just talk about traditional, conventional financing. You're in Florida and you want to buy an investment property. You want to, What defines a rental property? What we look as a rental property is a property that's rented out or leased out annually. That is what we consider. So on a conventional Fannie Freddie Mac loan, we're looking at uh, about 20% down to do a conventional investment property. That is where you're going to lease it out on an annual basis. And so there is, a, like again, I've, I've discussed it in prior podcasts, but I just think it's something we need to talk about because there's such confusion. And, you know, a second home is where you're going to occupy it during the course of the year for a couple of weeks and then do seasonal rental. That's okay. That is considered a second home, but the true intention is to use it for your use as a second home, obviously living somewhere up north, and coming in and using that property. And uh, there's really a distinction. And we've got to remember when we're signing a 1003, a residential loan application, it says a fine of imprisonment and uh, that could be up to 10 years and a a million-dollar fine. So it really has to be read very clearly. And every time I do a loan application and we have that conversation between a second home and investment, I always clearly ask them, what is the intention? Is it an annual or seasonal with the intentions of using it as a second home? So that's really good to know. And you guys need to know that. But let's go about the investment property. You're going to rent it out annually. So basically, when you're doing it, it's about 20% down. That's a minimum. So you put 20% down, and under the regular conventional Fannie Mae Freddie Mac, uh, you know the rates are generally a half a percent higher than if you were buying it as a primary or secondary home. So you do pay a premium for it, but I say the truth is always the best way to go. And so you have that, and that's what you want to really consider when you're buying an investment property is to really talk to a loan officer such as myself or whoever you may have that you're working with and work out the payments to make sure the cash flow works out for you. And the other thing that you really need to know is that when you're buying a home here in Florida, you know, the taxes may be at the, are going to be at the level of what the person has it on there now, the existing owner. 
And that could be their primary or secondary home. So those taxes could be low. And then you've got to realize when you get to the following year that if it is an investment property that you don't have the homestead exemption. So those taxes are going to go up. And so you really need to be prepared and understand that. So you know, and and I'm pleased, investment properties are great, but you just want to do your numbers in the market that we're in. So when you're buying an investment property, you know you're putting 20% down, you know that your rate's going to be a half percent higher, and you're going to pay the tax base of what the present owner is paying now. So if they lived in the home for 20 years, that tax is going to be very low. But when you own it, and you buy it, let's say we're here in 2019, and you have your home up north and the homestead's up there, you can't homestead it here, not on a rental property. So again, what you do is you go to the county that you're buying in. For example, I'm in Pinellas County. So you can go to the Pinellas County property uh, appraiser's office, and then you can put, or the tax office, and you can put in there, hey, homestead, no homestead, purchase price, and it'll tell you what the taxes are. So you have a truer picture. And the other thing about the insurance, it's not like you're buying an owner-occupant or second home. The insurance can be a lot cheaper, more inexpensive, inexpensive due to the fact that it's a, a rental property and you don't have to have as much coverage and be a lot cheaper. So savings on the insurance, taxes are going to go up and a little bit of a premium for the uh, interest rate on a conventional loan by, if you remember, how much? That's right, about half a percent. So it's good to know, and that's great information. Well, we know as we're going on that we have uh, another cycle coming upon us, and that's what I want to get into a little bit. Are we really back in 2008? Now, the answer is clearly no. Are there new programs coming out? They are. But you've got to remember the government revamped everything with the Dodd-Frank bill back in uh, after the, uh, the crash of 2008, which was very painful and funny money and all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, at 100% prepayment penalties, and it goes on and on and on. So that was really ludicrous. Uh, and loans that went into a security that were just insane. But are we back there again? The answer is no, and I want to go over that a little bit with you. On your primary home or your secondary home, you're following the Dodd-Frank bill, so everything's like tuned. There's nothing you can do. It's going to be uh, all the you know, all the eyes are dotted and the T's are crossed, and it's got to follow. It's got to follow the uh, the whole program of the loans and, and follow everything through the Dodd Frank bill, and it's very tight. So there's no funny business going on. So you say, well, what do you have? What are the other options for those that had out of the box situations? It's amazing, and, I, and I've explained this before, and I might have done a podcast on this, but this is really worth going over because I. We're going to talk about non-QM loans. That means non-qualified mortgage. And that means that it's not following under the regulations of the Dodd-Frank bill. It's not an owner-occupied or a second home. So the similarities are we have what they call a Nina. And I'm not talking about a girl. I'm talking about a no income and no asset. And, you know, I I do an incredible amount of business. And 99% has always been... Uh, conventional, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, uh, and really, quite frankly, FHA and VA. But I'm shocked to see in 2019 that the percentages are growing in regards to the uh, non-QM loans. I'll quiz you on that a little bit later, right? So with that being said, uh, the non-QM loans, these securities are coming out. These investors are out 
and they have new programs available on investment property. An investment property does not follow the Dodd-Frank bill. And I know I'm being repetitive, but I really wanted to sink in the differences that we have. So we have these investors that will do non-QM loans on investment property. So basically what that means is we don't verify the income and we don't verify the assets. So it's not stated because stated's a lie. It's just don't put anything on there. So if you're self-employed, you know, you got to be self-employed for two years. You put your job on there, but you don't put the income. So no income is put on there. The other thing that you find is that you don't have to verify bank statements, assets. When you're doing, and I'm flip-flopping a little bit, but when you're doing a conventional loan, you have to provide tax returns, W-2s, pay stubs. You got to provide bank statements. It can't be gifted. Money just can't be deposited into your account. But when you get to the NINA on the investment program, you don't verify any bank statements. So you go, wow, that's kind of repeating 2008. Not really, because you have to put money down. There's a minimum of 20% down. And so some interesting things that you'll find is how does Nina work? Well, Nina is really going off that you're putting money down and it's off a credit score and that you've been self-employed for two years or work for two years or two years of you know work history. So how does it work? Well, it works simply as that. It's a loan application. You are going to go ahead and personally guarantee it you or whoever else is going on the loan with you. But this is a little caveat. You have to close in an LLC. That's right. You have to close in an LLC. It is not closing in your personal name. You are personally guaranteeing it. We're going to get your information, your social, your date of birth, where you live, where you work. Yes or no questions on the declaration but we're not going to verify the income or the assets. So it's pretty interesting. And you have to have an LLC. I have one going on right now. And the lady, they, they have a cash business. So the tax returns don't reflect. They do file. And the money's coming from all these different sources that really can't be traced for an investment property in a normal program. So they're going the Nina route, the no income, no asset. So they have to close in an LLC. So they form an LLC. They have to get the IEN number from the government. They got to go online, get that. And there you go. That home will be an LLC. And, and you say, well, that's kind of strange. But think about it. When you're buying real estate and you're buying an investment property, uh, how exposed are you when you have it in your name? So a lot of people close in their name on a conventional side. And then what they do is they go ahead and put it in an LLC after the fact, but what you don't realize in the writing is you can't change title with the lender. It is says that you can do it. For example, I put mine in a trust, you know, because um, for fine, you know, uh, trust reasons for uh, future planning. But it does have a do on sale clause, so you always have to be aware of that. I mean, if you got cocky, you flip it back and go. I'm sure you could, but it does take a lot to think about doing it maybe the right the first way, you know, in, in doing it. So what does it cost? Is it expensive? Well, you know, you do have fees and the rates are higher. So I'm going to say that the rate's going to be anywhere from 1% to 2% higher uh, given your credit scores. 
So you're going to do that. And, uh, you know, so I, I guess we're going to go, why would you go Nina? Well, going Nina is you can close in an LLC. You have to, there's no choice. If you got income that's not really verifiable or you write a lot of stuff off, you make it, but it doesn't show, uh, that's a good reason. Or if you've got funds coming in from different routes, you know, from you know, underneath your mattress or, you know, different accounts or other people working with you. I mean, it's just, it, it cuts out the red tape. You're not having to go through all the pain and misery and, and they really don't allow that. It's very strict on an investment property doing a normal route, Fannie Freddie. So this is a way where you, you have some things that may fit out of the box. So does it fall under the Dodd-Frank bill? I'm going back a little bit, but no, it doesn't. And so I think it's pretty interesting. And then I, I want to share with you some little tidbits for you that are out there. One, a minimum credit score of 600. Now, obviously, that's going to change your down payment. If you have a 700 credit score or better, you could be a 20% down. But if you have a low credit score, it's more money down. Uh, you know, what they do, they'll do non-warrantable condos. Well, if you're doing a conventional loan, uh, you, you, can't, you can't do a non-warrantable condo, not allowed. You can do a, a warrantable condo, and that's where you have to go through the full Monty. You have to get the budget, the bylaws, the decoration, you have to have the 10% reserve requirement. You got to go through the whole gauntlet buying an investment on a condo. But here you go on a, a Nina program investment, and non-warrantable condos are okay. No problem whatsoever. So it's really got some, some good things in there. You're paying a little premium on the rate, but again, it helps those that maybe are you know starting out, they want to get into real estate, and uh, well, you say we're at the top of the market. Well, you know, I think we've, we've, we've gone high. There's no question about it. I think we have a lot of equity in our homes, and we've done well over the last 10 years, but I, I think we still have to understand that we don't have any inventory we have no inventory. So when you get a house on the market, is it moving as quick? Well, if it's in the right neighborhood, it's gone. But still, there's not. And last time I checked, and I don't know the numbers, but you can look online, I'm sure. The number of people coming to Florida is staggering. I mean, the, the, the roads are just incredible. You know, after tourist season, we're still loaded. I mean, we're, we can't keep up with the construction, new schools, new neighborhoods. Uh, I mean, the construction is just insane. So a lot of that's going. Uh, so, you know, is, it, is, is the Nina meant for you to be a, a property flipper? No. You know, it's just a way for you to get into a home uh, that you otherwise could not do on a normal channel where you, uh, you're out of the box. And, and I think it's okay. And I don't think that it's dangerous. Now, on investment property, you do have a prepayment penalty. You can buy out the prepayment penalty, but you got to pay a premium in the rate. Usually on these Ninas, they're selling you 30-year loans that are, you know, anywhere from a 3-1 arm to a 5-1 arm. So that just means it's amortized for 30 years and it's fixed for three or fixed for five years and then becomes an adjustable. So hopefully by that time, you're either refinancing or your situation has changed so that you can get into a normal loan, but allows you. And I just remembered another little thing that you might find interesting for this, this serious investors. You got... You know, for Fannie and Freddie Mac, I think you're allowed up to 10 properties. And then, uh, you know, they cut the loan to value back. And then you got to have six months reserves on each, you know, on each property. So you got to really have a lot of money 
uh, if you're on your 10th property. But what's nice about the Nina investment, they don't care how many properties you have. So for these investors that are holding on to 20, 30, 40 properties or 10 or 15, they want to refinance or they want to buy another home, they're able to do so. And that might be refinancing one of their investments to use that money to buy another one. So you have those options. I mean, there's really some things for the serious investor that has a lot of properties that just can't go the normal channel. You have it. So if you're heavily invested somewhere in the country and you want to get into Florida, you have a great opportunity where you can bypass the uh, conventional route. So there's some real things there for you. And I mean, I'm just seeing a lot more of it going. You know, a lot more people. I, I don't know if there's changes. I don't know if more people are going self-employed. Uh, but what's taking place? Is it the market changing? Uh, like I, I spoke to a realtor today. And uh, they got me through Palm Harbor Happenings on Facebook through another realtor. And I told him about the opportunity for his he, guy owns a cab company in Illinois. He wants to buy investment property in Florida. And he has to go the stated income, which I don't believe in that. You're not going to state anything. You're going to put on no income. That way there's no liability and there's no income that you're verifying. So it's clean. But that person is going to buy a place down here. And then all of a sudden you got triggering that he has a whole community of people he works up there. So it might be a great opportunity for that realtor to work with a lot of investors or a lot of people up north that want to get into Florida. And I'm not forgetting about my Florida people. You know, in Florida, here you are. You know, you might uh, be wanting to buy investment properties and, and go that route, you know. So we, we know how the rents are going. And, and nothing lasts forever, right? Everything's a season. You have winter, spring, summer, fall. You have, uh, you know, we're young. We get, you know, teenagers and young adults and old and back in the diapers, I guess. So everything's a season. But I, I just don't see anything foreseeable. I mean, I can't talk about the stock market, no expertise there, but I'm talking about really the real estate section. And, and I hear all the adversaries saying that it's going to crash, it's going to go down. And, and, but, you know, we don't have funny money. There's no funny money. I'm telling you, I'm the, I'm the perfect one. And I, I, I torture you for a mortgage. You know, I mean, we, we, every email we do and every, every, I mean, every loan that we do, when we're verifying it, we're, we're, we're checking the deposits for the last two months. We're doing a ProLogic report. We do everything. And that's what we've been doing the last 10 years. There's been nothing. So everybody that got a house, they earned it. We made them go through, you know what, to get there. So it's really solid. And I don't see that. You don't have the funny money. And the inventory's not there. And whenever the house goes on the market, it's gone. You know, is, is there shadow inventory? You know, is there some being released? Yeah, I'm sure there's some being released, but they're getting gobbled up rather quickly. So that's going. And so that's what I see happening. And, and the growth is incredible in Florida. You know, like, for example, I'm in Pinellas County, but you look up at Trinity, the, it's staggering what's going on up there, the construction. And uh, I was at the gym this morning and saw a guy at the gym. He had to let me in. I left my keys at the front, dro front door of the house when I walked to the gym. He let me in. He goes, I said, and so he goes, yeah, I'm going to be out of here in two weeks. I, I got a new home up in Trinity. But so a lot of movement, a lot of stuff going on. So it might be a great opportunity. And I always say, again, I, I want you to be educated and I want you to be aware. So, you know, you've got this access to get this Nina loan. You can buy one. You're all excited. But, you know, you want to check out to make sure that you're going to cash flow, right? And remember from my uh, beginning of my podcast, what I was telling you, you really want to make sure 
that you're well equipped. You know you're going to have a loan that's fixed for five years, three years. So you know that term. You know that payment is fixed for that term. You know your insurance is going to be okay because it's not the full coverage as a primary secondary home. But you got to be aware of the taxes. You know, those taxes are going to change. So you may be looking at someone that you, you got a $200,000 home. The taxes are like 600 bucks. Well, you know, uh, next year, they're not going to be 600 bucks. They're going to be uh, higher. And that's why you have to go to that. Uh, like, for example, the, the county for me, Pinellas County tax office. And you just do all your homework. Do your due diligence. Know what today brings. But our job is to make you know what next year brings so that that rental income that you have is going to be great this year, but still going to be good next year. And then I just want to keep you that informed. I was talking to a, a gentleman uh, that lives in Hawaii. So, you know, he wants to buy uh, a second home in Florida, but he can't go the traditional route. Uh, so basically, again, we have programs. If, if you have a situation, and that's another thing I want to talk about. Let's say you want to buy a primary, secondary home, and you're out of the box. What does out of the box mean? Well, you had a foreclosure. You know, if you have a foreclosure and you're trying to do a conventional loan and you have a BK, well, the BK is four years and, uh, and, a, and a foreclosure is seven years. And if you're FHA, you're three years uh, or two years on the BK and you're three years on the foreclosure. So, and, and that's when the title transfers over your three years on the foreclosure. But we have out-of-the-box loans. Uh, the gentleman I spoke to in Hawaii had a, a bankruptcy in 15 in November and a foreclosure. So really, he's not eligible to buy a home till 2022 on a conventional route. But he can do a non-QM loan as a secondary home. The rate's going to be probably a percent and a half higher. Uh, going to have to put 20% down, but he has the option. He can buy one. So if you're out there out of the state of Florida or you're in Florida and you want to buy a home and you're out of the box and you don't fit the conventional normal route, give me a shout, send me an email, let me know, and let's discuss it. It's not over for you. Believe me, when we got out of 08 and we got into 10, it was brutal. And we have loosened up. It's still hard. I mean, you know, when you do those ProLogic reports, they pull up everything. There's nothing you're going to hide. Then the last time you gave blood and went you into the restroom. So there's no getting around that. So always tell the truth. And let's go with what we have up front. Once we know the truth, we're good. And that's the way we can figure it. So the truth sets us free. It lets us know whether you're going to follow the A program or if we got to go the B program with the non-QM loan. But anyways, this gentleman I spoke to is able to buy a home. So he's going to make sure he wants to buy like a, a home that he can use as a second home and a mother-in-law suite that he can rent out. And that's something that he wants to do. He's from Florida. He moved to Hawaii, loves it there. And, but he wants to, he comes back all the time. So he wants to get that home as a second home and rent out the mother unit. But again, under a conventional route, he couldn't wait. He has to wait till 2022. Can't go FHA because it's not a primary residence, a second home. He works and lives in Hawaii. So you do have those programs. And, and I'm just kind of going on a little bit because I've kind of discussed Nina and I'm going on to a little bit of, uh, outside the box, which is you got a bankruptcy, a foreclosure, you have a short sale. There's programs for that. Uh, and, and I think I've already talked about it. I, I closed one and it took some time. Believe me, even though you're not providing any documents, this is not like a two-week deal. 
there's a lot of stuff that the, the, secu- the lender from the security that has to sell it goes through. But I just recently closed a primary residence where he couldn't verify his income because the two years wasn't going to work out. He had the foreclosure. He had It was due to an ex-wife, but he's on it, and it was like three years ago. And couldn't really verify the income, but I got to refinance him and give him cash out. And I did it on a profit and loss. So he provided a profit and loss, and we just had the CPA validate it. That's it. No tax returns. So tax returns weren't required, which was really pretty darn nice. So he closed on it, paid a higher rate, but it served a purpose. He paid off two mortgages. He got cash, which he needed for his business, and that he was able to go ahead and have more liquidity so he could buy inventory for his company. And because of the rules were changing for the company and things of that nature. So it really worked out. So everyone has a situation. And I've come to the conclusion that each and every one of us has stuff. Boy, do we have stuff. Everyone has a story and everyone has stuff. And I think what we have to be in this day and age is be a think tank. So if you have a situation that's not going according to your banker, don't give up. Give me a call. Let's plan on it. Let's talk about it. You know, I talked to another couple and I'm going off on a tangent, but it's good. Uh, you know, they, they, they just barely had credit, right? And their credit scores were in the 500s. And I kind of talked to them about it and basically found out their credit cards were maxed out. So uh, I'm not a credit repair person, but really simple math. If they're in the high fives and they get those credit cards down to 35% of the high limit that they've used, they'll jump up 30, 40 points and boom, they're going to be able to go and do an FHA loan. So it's really a think tank on what you can do. You know, my primary deal is I want to give you the best rate. I want to give you the least amount down. I want to do everything that's in your power that is given to you. That's going to be the cheapest, easiest route. But then again, you may not follow it on the category. And that's why we're discussing these different options and the Nina's and the profit and loss. Uh, The other one we have are bank statement loans. Not crazy about it because it's like opening Pandora's box. They look at 12 months bank statements. You can see all kinds of stuff in there and I prefer not to do that. So really a profit and loss is a great way to go. The Nina's a great way to go if you're buying, I'm quizzing you, primary, secondary home? No, that's right. It's an investment home. So for all of you, a great opportunity. And I did a podcast on foreign nationals and that was in a previous one. So same similarities, again, no income, no asset, great way to get in because we're not going to look at your T4s in Canada. We're not going to look at whatever, uh, you know, pound or tax returns you got in London or Europe or wherever. So just a great way to get in and and get exposure and, and go that route. I hope I've been helpful. And I just think that as time goes on, And I'm afraid to say it. I I just see this growing. And I see all these non-QM lenders growing rapidly. More and more are coming out. And they're really there for the mortgage broker. So it's great to go to a mortgage broker because, you know, you can go to your your big institution, but, you know, they're going to look at it and they're going to put it through and then you're going to find out you're not approved. We know the stuff up front. And and, and really the things, and these are previous podcasts. And if you're following me, what are the three things that I'm looking at? I'm looking at what? Number one, your credit. It's easy. Number two, your income. Number three, your funds to close. So if you don't got all three of them, there's a good possibility we're going to look at another alternative if we can't get you on track in a relatively you know, period of time that you need to buy that home. 
So that's what we have on those out-of-the-box loans. And, and I'm going to tell you this. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I see more and more programs coming out. And uh, I see it more growing. So don't feel like you're, don't feel like it's, oh, I, I got stuck with this or this is the only route. Look at it if it makes sense to you. That's really all I have to say. Look at it if it makes sense to you. And again, you have to cash flow today and you have to cash flow next year. And that's what we look at. And that's the only thing that we want to do. You know, we're not here to sell you a loan and get you closed and forget about you. We want you for life. As long as I'm in the business, I want a relationship with you. I want to know. And I want to know that you're in a program that is uh, the right one for you and that's going to work for you. And that's really the important thing is having that relationship, someone you can trust. I can't tell you the phone calls that I get. I got one the other day and they said, well, I'm getting all this stuff in the mail about refinancing, doing this. And I looked at the situation and I said, no, it's not worth it. You're going to spend X amount of dollars to drop this payment for, this, for saving this amount of money. It's, it's well over 18 months. It's going to take you like five years to recuperate. So I ask you to disregard all those mails. And then when we see rates that really come down, I'll send you a flyer that says time to refinance, but not till then. And so those are the things that we have. So if you, and I told you about purchases on the Nina program. Remember, refinances, if you got to refinance your property, if you're a private, if you have investment property out there and you have a private mortgage, you got paying 12%, 11%, doing one right now. You got a private mortgage, you're paying 12%. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a rate half that. So you got that. It's just ridiculous. So if you're holding a private mortgage, you've got equity, and you really just can't still verify the income and do a normal route. And that's really big. Like, thank you. I just that came to me. I keep talking, and these things keep coming up. But you got to remember that if you have private mortgage, how many of you have out there private mortgage? I know a lot of you do. You got that investment property, you paid that high interest rate, and you got a balloon coming due. Well, I don't have balloons, so you don't have to worry about hangman coming. And what's a balloon? Well, that means you have a 30-year loan and it's fixed for five years and it balloons. That means that the 60th month, the rest of the balance is due and you got to pay the lender. And I talked about having a 5-1-3-1 arm. It's fixed for five years or fixed for three years and then it'll adjust. So that's what you have going on. So pretty interesting stuff, I think, and uh, just great opportunities. And again, more programs are going to roll out. I think on my next podcast, I'm going to talk about the process of getting a regular loan. Then I think you're going to appreciate this Nina loan because I'm going to go into a little detail of all the things that we look for and all the things that we need when you're applying for a loan. But always remember my final note, the truth. Always tell the truth. Don't lie. Everything you put on the residential loan application should be nothing but the truth. You're signing a government form that says punishable by prison or by fine. So you always abide by the laws, never lie, never put anybody else at risk. And because these programs are back. And that's what I don't understand about the old, the times. Why did people have to lie? If you had a pulse, you can get a loan. So if you have a pulse, why would you lie? How can you lie? I never figured that one out. But anyways, these programs are coming available and I don't feel it's back in 2008. It's just giving people the opportunity to purchase a home, to have the funds to put down, to talk to a person, to make sure it makes sense today and tomorrow. I thank you very much for joining me. I hope I've been informative to you and I always enjoy sharing the word. So have a great, great night and we'll look forward to the next one. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Buying Florida with your host, Didier. For more information and to apply for a loan, please visit ddamortgage.com. That's ddamortgage.com. Or click on the link in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Have a great day.